We're Welcome back. back, Jess Romero. God bless Dan Schneider. Terry Barber here. We're excited to see Jess Romero in living color back in the United States. Jesse, yeah. God love you, brother. I'm back. Oh, we're uh, yeah, you and not, not everybody can say that there's a lot of oh, yeah. pilgrims yeah. that are stuck right now in different parts of the Holy Land, Israel, in hotels, yeah. that they're trying to make their way back as, uh, as, as the violence continues to ramp up, unfortunately. But uh, Terry, I heard that the show was actually changed to the Terry and Dan show. That's <laughs> that's our joke for you, Jesse. You, you can know. see it, Jess. Yeah, it's all over social media. Has Jesse been replaced? Yeah. You know what, Jess? You know what? I had it already, Jess. I yeah. had it already. I mean, I wasn't wishing anything ill, but I had it already. <laughs> Just in case. Go-go. Yeah. Yeah. Schneider head. I mean, it was that's cute. Well, Jesse, we're going to be asking you to give us a description of what went on when you were landing and the Holy Land and much, much more. So we're going to get to that. But I also want to make sure that uh, we get the, the gospel today of, and then Fulton Sheen. And, and, and also, we always have our need-to-know file. I thought this was very good. Bishop Strickland sent out a tweet about the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. It's a letter, and he's asking all Catholics around the world— for next Tuesday, the 17th of October, for prayer and fasting. And he's making a suggestion that we have Eucharistic adoration, reciting the rosary. Uh, he says, I know here in the Holy Land it will be difficult because of what's happening with the war. But uh, he's asking prayers around the world to pray. And he said, pray, he said, to deliver to God the Father our thirst for peace, justice, and reconciliation. So I say thank you, the uh, Latin Patriot, Patriarch of Jerusalem for encouraging all of us to pray because, yes, that's what we can do. We're thousands of miles away from those circumstances. So, Jess, uh, do you have any uh, good-to-know file uh, things well, you want to bring up? Yeah, there's a few things that I, I want to bring up. I'm it's not exactly not exactly good news, but things to know. Yeah. The, the oil prices are surging following this large-scale clash between Israel and Palestine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the Palestinian militant groups in the Gaza Strip, they've sent crude oil prices surging even after oil prices already spent the entire summer inching their way closer and closer to $100 a barrel. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this conflict is affecting all of us. I don't think it's also, a conflict. I think it's a war, Jess. It's, yeah, it's a war now. It's, yeah, it's, it's beyond a conflict, yeah. Hillary Clinton compares pro-abortion supporter, pro-Trump supporter, excuse me, to cult members, yes, I saw even that. yeah. So, <laughs> former Secretary of State I've and failed this. Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton said supporters of former President Donald Trump need to be deprogrammed mm-hmm. in re-education camps. Oh God! Why did she really Cl- tell me what she Cl- thinks? Clinton made this statement during a CNN interview where she compared conservatives who still pledge support to Trump as oh. as uh, as cult members who are mindless. Also, uh, New York Mayor Eric Adams, he's appealing to suspend the right to shelter laws as hundreds of thousands of migrants are flooding the Big Apple, New York City. Wow. So Eric Adams, he's been sending he's been sending out feelers of giving up on the current migration crisis. He recently wrote to a judge appealing to suspend the city's longstanding law, which is the right to shelter, as he's been struggling to house hundreds of thousands of of illegal aliens in the Big Apple. And finally, Bill Gates announces a $40 million investment to develop mRNA vaccines in Africa. Surprise, surprise. No surprise. 
So technocrat and Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates has announced this large investment to develop an mRNA injection in Africa through his Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And in an October 9th press release, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation announced that this will be utilized, this money, $40 million, to advance access to mRNA vaccines in Africa. Wow, he's such a compassionate man. Yeah, right. He's a giver. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's get some soul food in. Well, we got Dan, a biblical scholar here, so I'm going to read Luke 5, 11, 5 to 13. Unless, Dan, do you have it there today's uh, reading on the, on the new mask, yeah, the Novus Ordo mask? I'm ready. Okay, it. read it. Read it and give us a little, little exegesis there, Dan. All right. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I have already gone, are already in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, if he does not go and get up and give him loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. <laughs> persistence. Uh, so, yeah, this, this gospel is, is situated uh, in a section on prayer. Uh-huh. Last Yesterday we talked about the Lord's Prayer and how right. Jesus, uh, in, in Luke's gospel— Luke transposes the centerpiece of the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done. He pulls it out of the Lord's Prayer, and he moves it over to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the high point, the complete, the high point of prayer, Luke is saying, is the surrender to the will of the Father. And so, so that's how effective these two, these two, this, uh, the final test is repeated in, in, in Luke's uh, garden scene. So now he's giving us the essence that, that tells us the essence of prayer is surrender, mm-hmm. but he doesn't tell us we say it once and walk away. This is not a fire and forget weapon. Prayer is something that needs to be repeated. You, there needs to be persistent, but there's one word that keeps, whenever the Bible repeats a word in repetition there's 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 deeper meaning whenever a word is repeated and whether a word is used only once in the entire book or in the entire Bible. And so the word that is repeated three to three times is friend and friendship. And so so we approach God as our father. Mm-hmm. Right. But then Jesus also said in John's gospel, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. And a friend lays his life down uh, for another love. Not, not knows nothing greater than this and laying down one's life for one's friend. So we approach God now. Not as a distant father, not as, a, as, as uh, the way Islam approaches, uh, not even the way the Jews approach God. But Jesus is saying, God is your friend. And we approach him as a friend, number one. And the word that is used once, the word for, the word for persistence, this word is used only once in all of the New Testament. And so for, when he uses that word, it also points us to something significant. And it points to the, the essence of prayer is not only approaching God as a friend, but being persistent. But but we approach him with a prayer, with a posture of surrender. That's to me what I what I see in this in this little section today. Very good. Just your thoughts. Yeah, just one thing I'd say is that Saint John's Gospel, our Lord commands us to ask him in prayer nine times. Yeah. So so this is this is kind of a running commentary. Uh, precision in prayer: ask and you shall receive; seek and you will find. St. Faustina had a conversation with our Lord Jesus Christ in, in her diary in, uh, in paragraph 921. And essentially, she, uh, she tells the Lord, Lord, I want to ask you something, but you know everything. <laughs> and then, our, and then our, Lord te- our Lord tells her, uh, I know that I know everything. He says, but I like when you ask me with childlike simplicity. There you go. So, well, listen to this, Jess. Let me add to yeah, that. I'll yeah, take your, yeah. I'll take your, uh, your saint and I'll double down on one. 
When Our Lady okay. appeared to to uh, Catherine Labore, Saint Catherine Labore, and she gave her gave her the miraculous medal, ah. you'll see in the miraculous medal rays coming out of her hands. Mm -hmm. Yes. And 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 Saint Catherine asked her, "What does what are these rays?" And she says, "Those are the rays of the of those are the the prayers I have fulfilled for those who have asked for my prayers." And so, because remember, she's mediatrix of all grace. Yes. And then she asked her, what are the spaces between the lines? And you look on your miraculous medal, it's intermittent. She says, that is, those are the prayers that have not been answered because they have not asked. So we have to ask. The, ne the, next, uh, the next verse, which, uh, which continues the section is, and I tell you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Prayer begets what it signifies. We have to ask, though. We have to ask with a childlike, a friend, but childlike surrender to the loving will of the Father in conformity as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Dan, excellent commentary. Good stuff. Good I stuff. I want to mention one connection with that, with repentance also. We have to ask by saying, I repent of my sins. You don't get the graces. You don't get to be redeemed without repenting. And as yeah. the gospel says, repent and believe in the gospel. So there you have it. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Keene. I think this is appropriate for what you, what you guys just mentioned about the gospel it's about choices. <laughs> and Fulton Sheen says, Every man is on a cross. Some are asked to be taken down like the thief on the left. Others are asked to be taken up like the thief on the right. Ah. Mm. <laughs> Dan, your thoughts? Dan Augustine says it this way. Do not, do not, dis, dis, do not presume uh, one of the thieves were damned. Do not despair. One was saved. So we, we prayer is in between yeah. presumption and despair, but persistence is puts you right in the middle. You nailed it. All right, Jess, what are you going to talk to us when we come back from the break, Josh? Just give us a little teaser. I'm going to talk to you about uh, my trip to the Holy Land that was cut short through war. Yeah. And, and when I discovered that the country was at war as I was flying over there. So I'll give you a, a, a brief uh synopsis of Good. my three days most of my time i spent either in an airplane or in a hotel yeah I bet. yeah so I bet. it was not much of a trip uh and, and so last night boy oh boy i, I had to i was jet lag i, oh, I went I, I took a long sleep but i feel great now excellent i but, also uh, yeah great but Jesse. i, I want to tell you a lot of people were praying for all, all oh, the pilgrims all out there the world. and you, you could just feel the, the weight of people's prayers too. yeah i bet i want to also recommend we just got our our bishop sheen's cassock delivered yesterday and now the the uh, Mitre will be here uh, on Saturday for the event with Bishop Sheen, a day with Sheen. So if you would like to come and you're in Southern California, let's go to vmpr.org. You can see the registration. We have a priest who converted to the Catholic faith as a pagan, and now he's a Catholic priest, obviously. He'll be saying Mass. Join us this Saturday from 9 to 4 here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. So when we come back, Jess Romero, Dan Snyder, and Terry Barber. But I'm going to ask Jesse again. Tell us what it was like. I mean, can you imagine flying in? We all are in planes, and we're getting ready to land, and you see all this activity down below, and you're going, what's that? Well, Jesse's going to give us an eyewitness of what went on in the Middle East on the 7th of October, Feast of the Holy Rosary. Stay with us, family. We'll be back. We're back. Jess Romero coming back from the Holy Land trip. We've got to hear all about it, brother. Lay, set the stage for us, brother. Okay, so uh, the, what I'll say is you've seen the bumper sticker, No Justice, No Peace. That's yeah. what I got a better bumper sticker. It's No Jesus, 
no peace. Yeah. That's that's what's happening in the Middle yep. East. That's what's happening in America. It's a, it's a failure to em- embrace the social kingship of Christ. So on Saturday, I went with 60 pilgrims yep. from the Phoenix, Arizona airport. Mm-hmm. We left on October 7th at 5 p.m. in the evening uh, to Tel Aviv International Airport in Israel. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, October 7th is an interesting date because 500 years ago, mm-hmm. there was a much smaller army that a Catholic army that defeated a much larger Islamic Turkish army mm-hmm. on October 7th, 1571. It's called the Battle of Lepanto. So yep. that's just, it's just kind of interesting that that's when the attack occurred. Yeah. So as we're, I flew from Phoenix to New York, from New York to Tel Aviv. As we're descending, I didn't have a window seat. I heard many of the passengers in the plane, they were saying that, hey, there's black smoke, you know, ascending somewhere near the airport. And to me, when they said a black smoke, I, I said, ah, probably, you know, old factories, old 1970, 80 factories that, you know, don't have, uh, you know, good emission system. Or, or maybe I thought it was a controlled burn like they do in, 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 in a lot of the places in California mm-hmm. uh, where they have controlled burns. Uh, so I didn't think anything of it. So we deplaned at the Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv, Israel. We were received from, by tour guides. As, as our, our planes landed, mm-hmm. we turn on our phone and you can imagine as soon as I turn on my phone, <laughs> all the texts and the telegram messages and the signal messages that were coming through about the fact that uh, Hamas had attacked uh, Israel, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and that the, the country's at war, that, that, wow. uh, the, the, that uh, the prime minister had declared war. Mm-hmm. So we were the, the tour guides... They're very professional. I have nothing but good things to say about 206 Tours. It's a, it's a Catholic tour company, and they were with us from beginning to end. They, uh, we were told that we were the last plane to land. Wow. All the other planes after us, mm-hmm. they were either rerouted yeah. or their flights were canceled. Mm. So we were the last plane to arrive to Tel Aviv. And in fact, I knew something was weird because I'm looking at the screen because you can watch the you can watch the plane as it's traveling on the computer screen on the back seat of of, of the person in front of you, mm-hmm. and I noticed that we were circling around Tel Aviv for about thirty to fifty minutes. I said, "How come we're not landing? Man, I'm tired. I've been on this plane for thirteen hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, why are we circling around Tel Aviv?" Yeah, and, and so now I know why. Yeah, because they, they were launching uh, rockets, the, the Hamas, which is a, a well-known branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. And they operate in Israel. They were launching rockets into Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And so again, uh, when we landed, I turned on my cell phone. We we uh, I have all these messages, these these uh, you know breaking news about the Gaza Strip and made international news. Well, the tour guy said we've got to get you out of here, and we're going to go to a safe spot. So we traveled up north to Galilee, which is north of Tel Aviv which is, you know, up, up there near Lebanon. So it's pretty, it's a safer part of Israel, you know, because the attacks were in the south, in, in the Gaza Strip and in the Tel Aviv area. So they shuttled us in, in, in two buses, there's a 60 of us, up to Galilee. Um, that, you know, we ate, we ate dinner, we, we, had, we had mass, uh, we prayed. Then the next morning on Sunday, we, the tour guys told us, okay, we got, tickets for you guys to go back to the u.s through jordan uh-huh. 
but it's not going to be for another two days. So we had a day to kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word to use. Yeah, not at this point. <laughs> yeah. So they said, well, we're here in Galilee. There's a whole lot of holy sites here. So the tour guides took us uh, to some of the places in, in, in Galilee. We went on the Sea of Galilee, mm. uh, Nazareth, Caesarea, Stella Maris. And it was my wife's birthday, uh, uh, October 9th. And, and somebody found out. They started playing music uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And, it, you know, everybody's kind of somber. And we're all yeah. thinking about, you know, this war. All of a sudden, you know, they start playing uh, that song, Happy Birthday to You. You, pro- you know, you probably heard it. Or Happy Birthday to You. So the the uh, the the um, Jewish uh, guys that were that were driving the boat, somebody told them that it was my wife's birthday. So they started playing that very loud. My wife started dancing, and so did everybody on the boat. And it was Amazing. funny because it was like organic. Every, a smile just erupted, and people started laughing. Yeah. I'm dancing with my wife. We're all dancing on the Sea of Galilee on the boat, and it was funny because for a few minutes. It, it, you know, we all had an endorphin rush as we're all thinking about, you know, must, missiles are coming in in the south. You know, are we going to get out of here for, for about three minutes as we're dancing to that song? Happy birthday to you. We forgot about everything with that little do- endorphin rush rush. But uh, but yeah, but the things are pretty serious over there. Mm-hmm. The the uh, terrorists have killed over one thousand two hundred uh, innocent Israelis. Most of them were civilians. Yes. There's the number is there's 2,700 Israelis that were injured in the attacks. They have about 250 Israeli hostages and many of them young women that uh, they mistreat. <laughs> they 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 uh, they don't treat them with any decency. Trust me. So all the flights to the Holy Land they they were all canceled because the Prime Minister of Israel declared war on Hamas. Now. My pastor, he's retired from the military, Father Craig Friedley. He's a retired major. We're seeing tanks roll by us you know, as we're driving wow. in the bus. We're seeing, you know, helicopters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're seeing jets fly by us. And my, my pastor, who's, you know, he's, uh, you know, been in the military for 25 years. He said, he goes, Jess, these aren't, uh, you know, practice maneuvers. Th- these are military operations. This country's at war. He recognized it right away. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know, we're, we're all kind of nervous because we know we're saying, I hope that we're able to get out of the country before the the, the countries that border Israel, before they start locking down their borders. Because that's what people do during a time of war. Yeah. Countries want to protect themselves. So they just lock down the borders. So I'm saying if we're going to fly to Jordan in two days, I hope Jordan doesn't lock down our borders. That's what I'm thinking. Of course. So... We're at, uh, so now it's evening after we had a long day at Galilee because we're taking off the next day to Jordan. We're going to drive to Jordan. We had Holy Mass in the evening. We had dinner. And after dinner, again, we all had a meeting again and we organized as a a pilgrimage and the tour guides. And we we all said, yes, it's, uh, we we have to get to Jordan. We all agree. Uh, We have no problem with with the Israeli embassy telling all the tour guides that they've got to send all the Americans back home as soon as possible. Uh, in other words, it, it was not an option for us to go to Jerusalem and Bethlehem but, because that's that's the hot spot. That's where they were launching, you know, rockets into that area. So, uh, so the next day, we were scheduled to fly out of Amman International Airport from the country of Jordan, and uh, we drove over there. We spent the night at the Sheraton in the Amman in Jordan, and it's a Muslim country, but they're pretty friendly to the West and they're friendly to Israel as well. But um, so 
from Amman, Jordan, we flew into another uh, Islamic country, which is Turkey. We flew into uh, Istanbul, Turkey. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I, I'm not going to be honest. I'll be honest with you. I was nervous. Yeah. You know, you fly into Muslim countries and, you, you know, you just uh, don't know what to expect. Right. And so it, it, I told Anita and my, we're going to, once we get out of Istanbul and we're on the air to San Francisco, we're safe. So I still, I still didn't feel safe in Jordan, uh, and I didn't feel entirely safe when we landed in, in Istanbul, Turkey. And it's funny, I never thought I would say that I was so happy to fly into San Francisco, California. As much as I criticize California, yeah. I, was, I, I was never happier to fly into San Francisco, California. I mean, it's funny, you, you almost want to get off the plane and pull a Pope John Paul II and kiss the ground when you get there. Uh, I was very tempted to do so. Uh, but, uh, but from, from, uh, San Francisco, obviously I felt safe there as we're, as we're flying over there. And, uh, and, and again, I think from all of us that were in my group, I know myself, my wife, we we're talking about it. Everybody was in, in like constant meditative and contemplative prayer. I, I mean, so the, so this, this short little tour that was supposed to be nine days that lasted three, it actually did work for the pilgrims that went, that went with us. And I'm sure everybody Everybody was on full-time prayer mode. I think the only time I was not praying was when I was on the Sea of Galilee on the boat dancing with my wife for three minutes. Yeah. Uh, that, that was pretty much it. I, I got an endorphin rush and I went back to prayer. And, and so uh, what do I have to say about all of this? I'll tell you what saddens me. Tell me. Is that that little piece of real estate that we call, uh, we count this called the Holy Land. I know the world calls it Israel. Yeah. That little piece of, of real estate is 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 basically the uh, the the apex of planet Earth, and you have two major religions that ha- are fighting over that piece of real estate: Islam, uh, the Muslims, and 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 the Jews. And the fact is, is that it's it's a brotherly squabble. They're they're fighting for that piece of real estate, and uh, both of them lay claim to that piece of real estate through Abraham. The, the, the Muslims lay claim to, to Israel through Ishmael, the illegitimate son of Abraham and, and a slave Hagar. And the Jews lay claim to that land through, through Isaac, who was the natural son from his wife, Sarah. So Muslims claim Ishmael as their forefather. The Jews claim Isaac as their forefather. And both Jews and Muslims claim to be the spiritual heirs of Abraham and the promises made to him, which includes the Holy Land. And so... These two religions are fighting for that piece of real estate that, that, that uh, the Jews believe is a belly button of the world. And they also believe that that's where the Garden of Eden was. But we Catholic Christians, and I was telling all the pilgrims that I was with, you know what? We don't fight for, for a geographical territory. Israel is only sacred to us in, in terms of the holy sites because that's the land where Jesus walked. But our heart and our hope is in the new Jerusalem, which is heaven. So we don't fight for earthly Jerusalem. We pray for peace, but we do. We strive and we struggle for holiness so that we can make it to the new Jerusalem, which is heaven. And so that's my take. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this. Without Jesus Christ, the Middle East will never see no peace. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5 calls Christ the Prince of Peace. Without accepting the social kingship of Jesus Christ, the Jews and the Muslims will who don't know Jesus and reject Christ's claims and reject him as the Messiah, 
without both those religions embracing the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be no peace in the Middle East. And the same applies to America. We're not any different. Our rejection of Jesus Christ in America is going to bring our demise if we don't turn this ship around. Uh, So the last thing I want to say is what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Jesse, I want you to answer this question on the the break time, or you can even start it now. Uh, Many thousands of Americans are still in the Holy Land. What was it that got you and Anita and that crew out so quickly? Because now they're talking about how are we going to get our American citizens out of the Holy Land? And here you are sitting in Phoenix, Arizona, when many Americans are still wanting to get out. So give us your take on that and much, much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Schneider, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we're too blessed to be stressed, we're too anointed to be disappointed. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Jess Romero back from the Holy Land. What a story he has. Dan Schneider's with us. And uh, I want to just ask this question, Jesse. I just heard that, you know, the Syrian main airports are out of service after Israel attacked those airports. So it is escalating. And, you know, the Americans that are still in the Holy Land are much, very much in danger of their lives. And I just wanted to ask, it seems that you guys got out and there's thousands of Americans still sitting what made it? What was it? Was it the prayers of people praying for your safety? Did that have an element in it? Or did the government come in? Or Just tell us how in the world you got out so quickly when so many Americans are still there. Yeah, first of all, there's a spiritual component to all of this. There oh, yeah. were so many people that were praying for us. Yeah. I mean, as, I mean, people text me. Somebody said, you know, Bishop Strickland is, is offering mass for you guys. Yeah, I talked. I, I'm the one who talked I, to I him about it. I think it was probably you. Yes. You know? Uh, I, you know, I get, you know, Father Heilman's offering mass That's for right. you guys. Uh, Father James Altman. I mean, Father Pavone. I, yeah. I, it, we had so much prayer power. Yes. Plus, we had two holy Catholic priests with us. Sarah, you yeah. know, one of them. Of course. Father David, Father David Nix was it, with us. Yes. Uh, and, and also, uh, I, I think everybody there was in a state of grace. Everybody was praying as well. Yeah. That and, and so, and so I will tell you, because there's a lot of pilgrim groups that were there. And you can see people, you know, they're, they're gathered in their own groups. And they're having meetings. Yeah. You can hear some groups are saying, no, we're going to stay. We're gonna, I paid all this money to come. We're going to stay. We're going to, wow. you know, let's just take our risk. Wow. So a lot of groups opted to say, man, I paid all this money to come over here. I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. You know, we'll take our chances. Wow. And, and, and I, I heard those conversations of, of, with people next to us. Yes. Our meeting I, I, we basically all agreed. We're saying, uh, you know what? Uh, just forget about whatever money we spent here. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our life is, is much more valuable. You think? So we all, and, and, and since we had somebody who was a 30 year military, father, Craig, Craig Friedley, he told us, you know, he, he's saying this is going to escalate. It is. He says, what's going to happen within a matter of days. If we don't get out of here, the neighboring countries are going to shut the borders. Yep. So we're not even going to be, be able to fly out of Lebanon or Jordan or Egypt or anywhere else. Yeah. They're going to shut the borders. He said, then you're going to, we're going to start getting attacked from the north because we were in Galilee, which at Lebanon is right above Galilee, and they have their own terrorist group called Hezbollah. That's right. And so we're, we're, there's, uh, uh, our pastor was saying, trust me, 
you're going to have other terrorist groups that are going to jump into the fight. Yep. So we're going to be sandwiched. Yep. We're going to be sandwiched by Hezbollah in the north, Hamas in the south. We've got to get out of here as soon as possible. So there was no discussion. Everybody was pretty rational and realized, you know what? We're in a dangerous situation. We've got to get out of here. And so I would attribute the fact that we, that we you know, thought rationally is yep. that we had two holy priests. Sure. Everybody there was praying. They're in a state of grace. And we had, I mean, we had thousands of people, if not millions of people praying for us uh, uh, from, the, from the U.S. and other places. I mean, I, Terry, I even heard that my friend Pat Madrid, he, he yeah, texted me, Jess, are you I okay? Heard are you okay? And so I, he, I, I text, I text, I responded to him. Yeah. Well, he put it out on his station as well. He you did. Know, got a, I heard it. He's got a big following. So, yep. yeah, so we, we had prayer power. All oh, we had all to do, all we had to do was follow, uh, you know, follow, follow uh, right reason and logic. And we did. Good. Dan, your thoughts. Question. Yeah, no, I, I know completely the feeling, Jess, when you say you, you look out and you see burning buildings and smoldering fires and wreckage. So, so yeah, it's a war zone. Unless you've seen one, um, it'll, it'll, it'll bring some, uh, it'll bring some memories back. So just seeing those pictures myself, I was like, wow, yeah, that's, uh, reminds me. And also the barbarism, what's going on. There's no reason for anyone to stay over there. They, I think it's naive to think, uh, uh, you know, that they'll be fine. I mean, it's just naive. You say they're, they're going to close the borders and you have to be prudent about these things. Going back to the original reading today, um, persistence in prayer. So not just your prayer, but invoking the entire mystical body is so important, an aspect of prayer that's lost today. Uh, we don't, don't say one prayer. We, pre- surrender, we surrender everything to the Lord, but then having the body. So you're knocking on the judge's door or you're knocking on the friend's door asking for bread. Bishop Strickland's knocking on his door, and he's got a big ring on his finger. When a bishop <laughs> knocks on the door, the guy on the other side of the door hears that ring knocking. And when religious sisters knock on the door, the friend of the, the, the head of household understands, I better take care of, the, of my virgin bride. So having that, that prayer support is very, very important, and, uh, and I'm just glad that you're back. And, and Jesse, can I just ask this question? Because we're, you know, we— we, there's a lot of, it's a very complicated situation in the Middle East. They've been going at this for, what, 70 years, even beyond that. There's always been fighting in the Middle East. Um, what's a, um, a, a, you know, we talk, I, I mentioned the Patriarch of Jerusalem asking for prayer and fasting, but can you just generally give us the situation? What, what are the, what, what are the, what are the um, uh, issues that are there that's causing such conflict? Okay, Dan's a theologian is, so I want to hear from Dan as well as yeah. I give some some spiritual and yeah, exactly. uh, theological assessments. Yeah. Okay. The the Jewish people they've uh, they they've basically by rejecting Christ mm-hmm. they've brought a covenant curse upon them. Uh, and we we can see that it's uh, in Revelation chapter three verse nine. Our Lord the the risen Christ he talks about the unbelieving Jews. He says. He says, behold, I will bring the synagogue of Satan. Notice what he calls the unbelieving Jews. The synagogue of Satan. Mm. He says, who say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and adore before thy feet, and they shall know that I have loved thee. Our Lord also says about the Jewish establishment, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he stood not in truth because truth is not in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And look at this one. Here's where the covenant curse comes from. Matthew 27, 22. 
This is during Jesus' so-called trial with Pilate, and Pilate asked the crowd, what shall I do? Then with Jesus, who's called the Messiah, the crowd answers, crucify him. Mm -hmm. Pilate publicly proclaims Jesus' innocence, but they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And in verse 23, Pilate then famously washes his hands, declaring himself to be innocent. I'm innocent of this man, verse 24. And he tells the crowd that Jesus' death is your responsibility. Look at what they said. Quote, they said, his blood is on us and on our children. These chilling words right here, the, 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 the mob res- accepts the responsibility. This is called a covenant curse they brought upon themselves and their future generations. And there's, there's this blindness within the Jews today. St. Paul says in Romans 11 verse 28, as regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake, but as regards, as, as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. In other words, salvation history came through them, but there's a, they're blind to the fact that Jesus is their Messiah. Mm-hmm. And without, Jesus Christ, without them embracing Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 5, uh, they're going to wallow in their sins, Terry. They're going to wallow in darkness. And, uh, and, and there's a spiritual blindness that's overcome the Jews. Now, that's what I'll say about them. Uh, okay, and and the Old Testament cannot save you. Those are provisional, temporal covenants that cannot save you. The in fact, in Hebrews uh, Hebrews chapter eight verse thirteen, it says this. It says, when he speaks of a new covenant, he declares the first one obsolete, and what has become obsolete has grown old, as close to disappearing. So all the covenants prior to Jesus, they're temporal, they're provisional. Uh, they, they, they point to the new covenant, which is the superior covenant, the, the permanent covenant, the everlasting covenant, which is the covenant with Jesus Christ. And so, so this is why there's, there's this blindness within the Jews. And this is why there's, there's been dis- chaos and strife and, 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 and disorder and war and violence as a result of rejecting the Prince of Peace. Dan comments. Clean it up, you know, man. You're, you're spot on. I think also for the book of Revelation, you see the there's a, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations, and Revelation can be read on many different levels and layers uh, and unpacks. But if you look at the Revelation 17, you've got the 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 the, the, the whore of Babylon riding the beast, and I and I've heard legitimate interpreters talk about this is the corrupt a corrupt church and a corrupt government. And so we see we see here and then the great city of uh, Jerusalem, which is Jerusalem. So so uh, um, as Christians, we see what happened now in history. We now have in mystery. And as you said from the beginning, my citizenship is in heaven. We long for the heavenly Jerusalem. This is where we all belong. And so without Christ, you're you're, you're left back to world re- to, you know, to 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 uh, worldly temporal religion, but with Christ you enter into the mystical city, and we do this every Sunday at Holy Mass. And so, praying for peace, fasting, everything the Bishop Strickland and others uh, spiritual leaders have called for, are going to be absolutely critical to to help bring peace to the region. Because in, through that, um, just as the blessing of the world came through Jerusalem, right through Christ, who was paraded in on a donkey, he was paraded in as King, the Prince of Peace. So now the, the, the opposite, it could happen if we're not very careful. Uh, we've now got a war going on in Eastern Europe, now in the Middle East. Um, these are perilous times and the times that we need to get on our knees uh, and, and pray to God for, for, for his mercy.
I can add one thought, and you guys can tell me I'm a radical, but I would say this. In the old days, we always prayed for their Jewish conversions, for them to come to Christ. The last 60 years, we haven't been doing that. Am I onto something, Jess? You're smiling at me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's in the it's it's in the pre nineteen nineteen fifty five Roman Missal, and yep. before that, yep. I believe it was taken out of the nineteen sixty two Roman Missal, and then it was it was taken out of the Novus Ordo Mass yep. as as well. I, it's just my observation, Jess. You're right. You're absolutely right, Jesse, because I use a a, a pre fifty five Missal when I when I go to the Latin Mass, and and it's in there. It's pray. Pray for the conversion of the Jews. We've stopped doing that. It's become politically incorrect. In fact, we've gotten to the point in the church where we've got prelates saying we're not supposed to evangelize now. Exactly. You know, so we've we've lost that. So we've, we 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 again, you've got a you've got some corruption and you've got a blending. You know, what does the deep state and the deep church have in common? It's embraces of Marxist socialist uh, philosophy uh, and the corruption that comes with that. And so we, we have to what we how do we how do you beat that by proclaiming the, 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 the truth of Jesus Christ Amen. through all the nations? This is what the gospel message is. Yeah, let's get it back. All right. When we come back, we'll talk more with Dan Schneider, Jess Romero about who the person of Christ, because you know what? What else is there to talk about? Stay with us, family. We're having a great chat conversation with Jess Romero and Dan Snyder. Stay with us, please. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. For those who didn't just had just came on board right now, tuning in, Jess Romero gave his Really, an eyewitness description of what had took place in the Holy Land and how he, he and his lovely wife and 60 others got out of the Holy Land flying back. He's, uh, it's an amazing story. Jesse, I just want to remind everybody again, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is asking all people, all Catholics around the world to pray and make sacrifices for the Middle East. And I know Bishop Strickland sent this to everybody on his Twitter account and it's for October 17th. That's next Tuesday, a day of, of fasting, abstinence, and prayer. He's telling everybody, let's organize prayer for Eucharistic adoration, praying the rosary. Uh, and he also said, let's pray collectively to deliver to God the Father our thirst for peace, justice, and reconciliation. I'll turn it to you, Jess. Yeah, I'll say, and I want to hear from Dan as well, that both the Jews and the Muslims they have a Jesus problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's their problem. Yeah. They don't know the real Jesus. Now, the Jews, they're forbidden to read the New Testament. So many of them that do start dabbling into the New Testament do embrace Christianity. In fact, there's a big movement called Jews for Jesus yep. and Messianic Jews. Right. Or even in the Catholic Church, there's a big movement. It's called the Hebrew Association of Catholics. The Protestants have theirs. It's called uh, uh, Jews for Jesus. So when when a Jew starts looking at who Jesus is and they start connecting the dots, many of them do embrace him as a Messiah. Mother Miriam is a good example. Yes. Now here's a verse that, that poses a big problem for our Jewish brothers. It's in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. It goes like this. Okay, so this is in the Hebrew Bible as well, the Tanakh. It says this. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? It's a question. So the answer for a Jew would say, well, Yahweh or Elohim. Let's just say Elohim for sake of argument. Mm-hmm. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Elohim. That's, that's the answer. 
Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? The answer would be Elohim. Who has established all the ends of the earth? The answer a Jew would say Elohim. What is his name? Elohim. Then it says, and what is his son's name? Surely you know. So Proverbs Our, chapter 30, oh. verse 4. I've talked to Jews about this when we've had discussions. They've called me up on radio and I quote this verse and they hang up. They drop the phone yeah. when I and I said, Okay, we know who we know what God's name is. El Shaddai, Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh. I get that. What's his son's name? What I get? They hang up. I bet. Because they don't know how to respond to that verse. His son's name is Jesus. So there's a G because they don't know who Jesus is. He's the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Uh, He's mentioned in Isaiah chapter nine, the description of Christ. So now let's go to the Muslims here that I want to hear from Dan. The Muslim problem is they too, they have the wrong Jesus. St. Paul talks about, you know, people that have a false gospel and the wrong Jesus or a false Jesus. So here's what happened. Muhammad was taught about Christianity. Muhammad's oldest wife was named Khadija. And Khadija, uh, which was his oldest wife and his first wife, she she had a brother who was a, a heretical priest. He was a Nestorian priest. And, and the, the Nestorian heresy, uh, it's, it's basically Nestorianism denies the reality of the Incarnation and they represented Christ as as God-inspired man rather than the God-man. So the Nestorian error that, that Muhammad was taught by his uncle uh, was that, or no, actually it's like, yeah, it was his uncle. It was Khadija's uncle, who was a Nestorian priest. The, the Nestorian error is that Christ is a human person joined to the divine person of God's son. So this divides the nature of Christ, kind of rendering him somewhat schizophrenic. Yeah. Because Nestorius, he has trouble with the idea that the divine and human natures were united in the one person of Christ. And so Muhammad, uh, he learned about a false Jesus, and this is still the error that persists today in Islam. In other words, Muhammad and Muslims don't believe in the real Jesus. So that's their problem and without embracing the social kingship of Christ and Christ as the Prince of Peace, uh, the Middle East will never have any real lasting peace. Dan, your comments on both religions and their view of Christ. Yeah, no, I, I would point again to, to a couple places in the New Testament. Um, when, when Jesus talks on the way to Emmaus, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary for the Messiah should suffer these things and so enter into his glory. There were two images, the primary of the Messiah in, among among the Jews at the time of Christ, the, the, the Davidic king Messiah, the anointed, that would establish Israel as prince and king over all the world. Israel would be the world's power again, as in the time of, of King David. But there was also a second current of understanding of the Messiah. And this goes back to Isaiah 53, 40, 44 to 57, the suffering servant. And the suffering Messiah, that this Messiah embodies both Israel and an individual, and that Jesus collapses here uh, uh, him, upon himself 
the Messiah of the suffering side, the suffering servant. And so he is the, the Messiah, the suffering Messiah. But when you read that with John's in, in the prologue of John's gospel in the Latin mass, this is the last reading that we read. We read this in the rite of exorcism as well. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Literally, and God was the word. That that and that and what and the word wasn't with God in some Nestorian way that that the word was some sort of pre-existent being or angel um, that's not eternal. The word that it says that John uses the word was prosontheon, meaning he was with God. He was leaning on God, kind of like when you're at mass when the, your kids are little and your daughter leans up against you and <laughs> kind of snuggles up next to you as her father. That she belongs here. She's part of the family. She's pro her father. She's towards her father. And so the word is prostheon. The word is with, with the father. The word is God. And so these things, apart from that, that's going to get missed. Now in Islam, uh, 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 in Islam, the word Islam means submission. And so, and so what God, God has offered the world, including, including the, uh, the Jews, a, rel a religion of sonship. That we become sons and daughters of God. That's the divine dignity. That's the dignity of, of, of the Christian, the baptized Christian. But if we reject God, God's offer of, of, of filial devotion and sonship, back to our the gospel reading today, we reject God as our friend and father, right? Then what 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 does he what does he allow? The punishment fits the crime, and we're now the world is now confronting, confronted by a religion of slavery. And this is where I think we're at today. We have to go back to the very basics of Christianity and understand what it means to be a baptized child of God. If I can add, you both did a great job explaining those positions, but on the practical level of sharing the gospel, I, I just would recommend that we all, when we meet a believing Jew, like Jesse and I met a Jew as rabbi at Dodger Stadium. Well, I've been in contact with him and I'm sharing the gospel with that Jewish rabbi. Now, he's friendly to Christianity, but he's getting, you know, a, a pitch from me about saying that Christ is the anointed one, brother. He's the one you've been waiting for. <laughs> and, and now, he and I are carrying on a dialogue, and it's a friendly one. doesn't mean you have to be mean-spirited. But when we meet Muslims, let's not just say, oh, well, it's politically incorrect to tell them that they're wrong and we're right. I just think we need to introduce them to the person of Christ and say what Christ has done for me in my life I want to share with you because you don't have the good news that Jesus Christ is and so that's on a practical level all the theological perspectives of scripture and all that you're, you're spot on but I just think that we've had uh, we haven't been in our lane for 60 years and I put the blame on me Jess uh, Dan all of us are to blame what's going on because we haven't evangelized the Muslims and the Jews as much as we should. Am I onto something, guys? Absolutely. Yeah, and and even less now with all so, this yes. cra this crazy uh, humanism. You know, that's mo modernist ecumenism that we find today. Yeah. That that that's a far cry from the tradition of the church. In fact, there's an old prayer. It's yeah. called "Act of Consecration of the Human Race of the Sacred Heart of Jesus." Yes. It was written by Pope Leo the Thirteenth. It's in my Roman Missal, the sixty-two Roman Missal. Yeah. It was written in eighteen ninety-nine. Look at this one paragraph. Oh, it's a killer. I, yeah, I don't know if Pope Francis would pray this today. I'm not. I'm not. No, it, says, it says this. Wow. Look at this paragraph. This prayer. Be thou king of all those who are still involved in the darkness of idolatry yep. or of Islamism. Yes. 
and refused not to draw them into the light and kingdom of God. Turn thine eyes of mercy towards the children of the race. Once thy chosen people of all they, 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 they called down upon themselves, the blood of the Savior, may it now descend upon them in a laver of redemption and of life. So there's a prayer there. Where we're praying for idolaters to convert, Muslims to convert, and Jews to convert. What's happened today? We sold the farm. Exactly. It's poo-poo now. All right, Dan, you have final thoughts? Yeah, so we, so we live in a time where the, the real division in our own church, yeah. where we see, we see prelates and you, and you, you see high-ranking church officials yeah. who say things like Cardinal Roach, who is the, 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 the secretary for the congregation uh, for the, divine, the worship and the sacraments, that we can suppress the Latin Mass because theology changes. Yeah. That's one camp. We talked about it yesterday on process theology we and what do. it looks like. We're living, process theology is the functional theology of modernism. Yes, it is. It's the philosophical, practical, boots on the ground right. working of, 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 of modernism. And so and then you have Bishop Strickland, the, uh, the America's bishop. And say, no, we have to listen to the deposit of faith, that we stand on the shoulders of giants and we listen to the saints that have gone before us. And, and, the, and we, we are here to preserve in fullness and purity of the truth. If we believe what who Jesus Christ is and what the church teaches, we should be evangelizing all the nations. Amen, brother. Wow. Jesse, final thoughts. Again, I want to just say a prayer of thanksgiving that you and Anita and the others are back home. We give thee thanks, almighty, all merciful and all loving God. For all the blessings that we have received from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Yes. My last thoughts is this. Of the three monotheistic religions, the only religion that can bring priests to the world is the Catholic Christian religion. Under the social kingship of Christ the King. The other two religions will not bring peace because they don't know the Prince of Peace. Without accepting Jesus Christ as our King, yep. there will be no peace in the Middle East. There will not be no peace in America. The rejection of Christ will be our demise, or the acceptance of Christ will be our salvation. I'm done, Terry. Amen, amen, amen. I say unto you, Dan Snyder, what state should we be living in, brother? Yeah, all the states in the United States, there's some great ones out there, but the most important <laughs> state that you live in is the state of grace. Amen. <laughs> and, and Jesse, how do we stay in the state of grace, brother, real quick? Read your Bible, pray your rosary every day, go to Mass as often as possible, go to confession at least once a month. Yep. Uh, add penance and fasting and sacrifice to your interior Amen. life and uh, become holy or die trying. And remember Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's sign me up for that. You know why? Because we can unite our sufferings with the salvific sufferings of Jesus Christ to help redeem the world. That's the Catholic faith, Frank, friends. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you.